song, wasn't it? Like, not quite, but almost. So thank you guys. Appreciate that. Yeehaw and what have you. And thank you all for being here today. As I mentioned earlier, we are starting a new two-part series. So if you're here for like the first time, what a great day to be here. You haven't missed anything yet. We're starting today. And so, yes, this is a series on evangelism, but um, you haven't left during the offering, so that means you decided not to flee when you heard that. Um, so that's good. We're going to be talking about that for the next couple of weeks and what that, what that is and what that means. Um, just this past week, I believe it was Wednesday, I saw some Jehovah's Witnesses out and about in the neighborhood. Have you ever seen the Jehovah's Witnesses out and about? And so they were out and about. They were doing their thing. Um, I got to be honest with you, they did not stop at our door. I was kind of glad about that because when they do stop at the door, I feel like what I should do is engage and have a little conversation, but I didn't have to worry about that. They didn't stop at the door, and I didn't feel like it was appropriate to go chasing down the street after them. Hey, stop. What are you doing? Um, But you do see them out there every once in a while. Um, It's not really a common thing anymore for somebody to go door-to-door. Like the whole door-to-door thing isn't isn't that common. I guess it used to be back in the day, like before the internet and stuff like that. Um, but really anymore, it's just like, who do you see? It's sometimes you have witnesses, sometimes it's the cable guy. You know, the cable companies send their people out door to door still, which is weird. We have a policy at our house that Holly does not open the door if it's the cable guy trying to sell something because she's just too darn polite, right? <clears throat> so if she opens the door and it's the cable guy, they have a conversation. Oh, well, that's interesting. We're not really looking right now, but maybe. Oh, can you have some information? I'll talk to my husband about it. Blah, 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 blah. Two minutes later, the door closes. When I open the door, it's no thank you, no thank you, no thank you, boom, right? <laughs> right? That's my version of polite. I'm not trying to waste their time. I don't, you know, I don't want them to think they've got a sale because they don't, and just boom. So that's, that's a little tip for you. It's three no thank yous, and then boom. That's how that works. But, um, but that's about it. When I lived in Pittsburgh, uh, which was very brief, it's my brief period of time outside of Delaware County, and it was very strange. The people there were different. They were, um, what's the word? Nice? They were nice there. Um, no, I'm kidding. The people here are nice too, yes. But when I lived in Pittsburgh, I was 18, 19, and uh, we did have a knock at the door, and, um, and there were these guys, these two white guys, well-dressed. I don't know why I gave you their race. It doesn't matter. But anyway, these two guys who happened to be Caucasian, well-dressed in these suits, and uh, they were at the door knocking. I thought, oh, no, is it the FBI? What did I do? And so I was terrified, and so I opened the door, and I was like, oh, it's just the Mormons. No, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, bye. And so that was that. Did anybody have the, the, the Mormons go out? Have you ever had them stop at your door here? Oh, you have you? Okay, I haven't seen them out. But they're usually well-dressed, right? Like, like the FBI, right? They're Sunday best. That's right, just like we do, right? <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> But that is a thing. And so, like, as far as the Jehovah Witnesses go and as far as, like, the Mormons go, like, I know a little bit about those different faith systems, and, and I don't believe what they believe. I don't believe what the Mormons believe. I don't believe what the Jehovah Witnesses believe. And, you know, the beliefs that they have don't really line up with, with Scripture as I understand it. But I'm not here to knock them. In fact, I think we should give them credit. We should give those groups of people credit for going door-to-door and finding these ways to try and share their beliefs, to share their faith, right? They're out there and they're doing this thing and it's just them and the cable guy out there trying to go door to door doing their thing. I thought it might be good if we had like the Jehovah Witnesses combine with the Verizon guy, right? So they could come to your door and say, I've got a bundle package. It's internet, phone, TV, and Jehovah all in one, right? You know what I mean? But they're out there and they're doing it. And when I saw the Jehovah Witnesses, it was this past Wednesday, it was cold out. These poor ladies were bundled up 
going door to door. And I think there's something really admirable about that. I give him a lot of credit for that kind of thing. Unfortunately, when I think about evangelism, when I hear that term, when I hear that word, I automatically think of that kind of thing, of somebody who's really bold and courageous going door to door, knocking on a stranger's door, trying to engage in a conversation, trying to talk about their faith. That's what I automatically think of. I I associate the word evangelism with that type of thing. Now, there are some other churches. In fact, there's another church in our community um, that does send some people out, and I'm not going to name that church. You don't need to know what church that is, but there is a church that sends people out. It's a Christian church, and uh, maybe you've had experience with this church. They will knock at your door. They'll try to engage you in conversation, and the conversation will go a little bit like this. Hey, I was just wondering if I could speak to you a little bit. I mean, if you were to die today, do you think you would go to heaven? Like, well, I'm trying to have dinner. Maybe we can talk about this later. You know, it's a little bit heavy, right, for a 5 o'clock on a Friday. But anyway, they'll have some kind of conversation. They'll try to initiate a conversation. And I, I think the efforts are, are genuine and sincere and probably heartfelt, but they'll say something along those lines. And so the person normally says back, well, yeah, I, you know, if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Thanks for asking that question. I got to go. Said, well, well, hang on a second. Why do you think you would go to heaven if you die? Well, because I'm a relatively good person and, you know, I don't like, I've never killed anybody. I don't lie or I don't cheat and I don't steal. And, and so it will go back and forth like that. And the person at the door will try to convince you, well, no, you're a sinner just like everybody else. And so you need Jesus to be saved. And that's how the conversation goes. And again, that's the kind of thing. When I hear the word evangelism, I think of that kind of thing. Now, let me ask you. Let me, let me just talk to the Christians in the room for a minute. Do we have any Christians here? A few? The Christians in the room. There's one. There's at least one. Thank you. <laughs> if you had, as, even as a Christian, if your fellow Christian who's a stranger came knocking at your door, asking you those kind of questions, how would you respond? Would you, well, let me ask, would you want to engage in conversation? I'm not saying, oh, would you? No, would you want to engage in conversation? Would you want to say, well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. Or would you say, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Boom. Think about that. I think that's a problem for a lot of us. When we think about evangelism, we think about those type of things, don't you? Is it just me? We think about those type of efforts. In fact, when uh, Holly and I, this was before we were married, we were um, checking out different churches. We were visiting other churches. We were... um, I don't want to use the term church shopping, even though that's exactly what we're doing. Um, We were church shopping briefly, and we spent a few Sundays um, at this one church in particular, and uh, and the last Sunday we were there, they had a guest speaker come, and the guest speaker was an evangelist, right? And so this is someone who is like, makes a thing out of it, made a career out of evangelism somehow. And so he was there to teach the congregation how to evangelize. And so he talked about his methods. He talks about what he does. He's a big guy with a big glowing smile. He's like tall. I felt like he was seven feet tall. Probably not that tall. Tall guy, big glowing smile. And he talked about what he would do. And he had these things. I think they were, it was fake money, okay? It was like a million-dollar bill, and it was fake. And it said, here's the million-dollar question. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And so that was the million-dollar question. Have you seen stuff like this? Okay, it's the fake money thing. And he told his story. He said he would show up. He would go to like a Starbucks, and he would initiate a conversation with someone. And right away, as soon as he mentioned Starbucks, I knew he's not from our area because we don't go to Starbucks. We go to like Dunkin' Donuts or Wawa, whatever. But he'll start a conversation with a stranger and he'll say like, hey, I want to give you this million dollars. He's like, uh. 
And then he would use that as an opportunity to talk through the gospel, talk through the message of Jesus, talk through what Jesus has done for us. And so I'm sitting there with Holly, and we're, you know, young, and we're in love, and we're dating, and we're still in love, but we're less young. Um, <clears throat> but we're sitting there, and we're listening to this, and I'm thinking, oh, that's what evangelism is? I mean, listen, guys, I'm an introvert, right? And I'm not, about half of us, or maybe more than half of us in this room are introverts, and that kind of thing, by the way, people don't believe me when I say that. This kind of, I mean, like, I can do this, right? You know what I mean? I can stand here, you're all out there, I can do this kind of thing for some reason. But, I, but in my heart of hearts, I'm an introvert. And so when we introverts, when we hear, this is what evangelism is, you've got to engage with the stranger. You've got to go up in a coffee shop, wherever it is, waiting in a line and say, excuse me, I know you're just trying to do your thing, buy your coffee, buy your groceries, but can I talk to you about faith and death and Jesus for a moment? Consequently, so many Christians, so many of us have this anxiety when we think about evangelism. And it makes me cry too, Poppy. It makes me cry. We've got this, we have this anxiety. It's like, oh, Because if you spend enough time in a church setting, if you spend enough time as a Christian, you get that message ingrained in you somehow that you're supposed to do this evangelism thing. You're supposed to engage with other people. You're supposed to share your faith. And we develop anxiety over it. The other thing is we develop guilt over it, don't we? Because we know we're supposed to be doing this. I know I'm supposed to be sharing my faith. I know I'm supposed to be out there. I know I'm supposed to be initiating conversations, but I'm not comfortable doing it, and so I'm not going to do it, and then I feel guilty about not doing it. All the anxiety and the guilt that we feel when it comes to evangelism. The problem with evangelism is how we define it. So let's, talk, let's clear that up. Let's talk about what evangelism is, what it has to be, and what it isn't and all that. We need, to, we need to have an appropriate, fair, true understanding of what evangelism is. And so in its simplest form, evangelism is an explanation of the gospel. Well, that's great. Well, what's the gospel? The gospel, and you can use a million different words, different ways to put this, but in its simplest, the gospel message is this. God loved the world. God loves all people. God sent his son Jesus into the world to die on the cross for our sins, to die on the cross for your sins. And if you put your faith and your trust in him, you will receive forgiveness of sins. You will receive eternal life. And so evangelism is sharing that message. That's what evangelism is. But if we think that all of that needs to take place in one conversation, if we think that all of that needs to take place in in one specific point in time and it's one event, it's one encounter and that's it, one little interaction and that's it, if we we think it all has to happen in one little brief encounter in a coffee shop or door-to-door or whatever, we are limiting ourselves. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen that way. It can. It can. You know, I call that like a hit-and-run evangelism kind of thing. Like, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus. All right, see ya. That has happened, and, I'm, and listen, I know, I'm taking a risk here. Maybe I sound a little bit judgmental, maybe I'm sounding critical, but that kind of thing can be effective. That kind of thing can be good, and evangelism can look like that, but it often doesn't. Real evangelism often doesn't look like that. Real evangelism is a process. Real evangelism is a journey, 
And again, I'm not trying to naysay the people who go door to door. And if you've ever given out a tract, you know what a tract is? It's a little pamphlet. We call it a tract because we've got a term for everything. It's called a tract, and it's got the gospel written in it. If you've ever done that, I'm not naysaying that. But what we believe in here, what we kind of cling to here in terms of evangelism, we believe in what we call, what has been called relational evangelism. Again, we Christians have a term for everything. Relational evangelism. That doesn't mean I'm going to try and unpack the gospel on a stranger and that's my job and that's it. No, 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 no. That means actually engaging with someone in your life, engaging with someone in your circle of influence and sharing the gospel with them. Not just telling it, but sharing it, right? Sharing what you have. You have some kind of understanding of who Jesus is, and you're going to share that. You've received some kind of gift from Jesus. You've received forgiveness of sins. You have received the gift of eternal life. You have received the gift of salvation, and you're going to share that gift with somebody else. And that doesn't need to happen over the course of one brief interaction with a stranger. It should happen over the course of many interactions, many conversations, a process with people in your life. That's relational evangelism. That's what it is. One of the reasons that I cling to that kind of thinking about evangelism, one of the reasons that I cling to this model of relational evangelism is based on what it says in our scripture reading today. Our scripture reading is from Matthew 28. You can take a look at that. And if you're wondering, yes, we have looked at this passage of scripture before, probably about 47 times, all right? We're a little bit redundant when it comes to this because this is very important. This is often referred to as the great mission or the great commission or however you want to think about it. It's the big task that Jesus gave his original disciples. It's the big job that he gives to us, his modern-day followers. And look at what he says to do. And look at, what he's, and look, at, look at what's not, pay attention to what's not there, okay? Here's the big job. Therefore, go and make disciples. Let's just stop there. Go and make disciples. Jesus doesn't say, therefore, go into the world and make converts. This is important to know. Do you know what it means to make a convert? You can make a convert sort of kind of in like a hit-and-run situation where you approach a person, do you accept Jesus as your Savior? Oh, yes, you do? Oh, I wasn't expecting yes. That's fantastic. Now you're a Christian. See ya. Boom. That's making a convert. Jesus, what he tells us to do is bigger than that. Make disciples. Now, something gets lost on us because we don't really have this whole thing today. You know, back in Jesus' day, he was a rabbi, and a rabbi had disciples. He had these men that followed him around for about three or three and a half years. They followed him. They learned from him. It was an ongoing process. Jesus didn't meet these 12 guys and say, hey, let me tell you who I am. I'm going to explain the gospel to you, and then you go about your business. No, they traveled with him. They journeyed together, and throughout their time together and throughout their experiences together, they learned more and more and more about who Jesus is, more and more and more about who God is. They learned these things. They had these experiences. And Jesus, it's interesting if you watch what, he's, what he shares with his disciples, he doesn't say, hey, by the way, I'm dying on the cross for your sins. That's not the first thing he teaches them. That understanding comes later on. And so they have this journey. They are the disciples of Jesus. And the disciple-rabbi dynamic, it's sort of kind of like the student-teacher dynamic times 100. Because a student... Is just trying to learn what the teacher knows. But a disciple is trying to become like the rabbi. Ho, 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 ho. That's different, right? 
You know, a lot of you in this room right now, you're students. You're just trying to learn. Let me learn what to teach. No, no, no. When you're a disciple, you're trying to become. It's not just learning. No, there's learning. That's part of it. But it's more than learning. And so Jesus tells, here's your job, guys. What I have done to you, made you disciples, you and go make more disciples for me. Make more disciples of Jesus Christ. He doesn't even say, your job is evangelism. That's a big part of it. He doesn't even say, your job is to explain the gospel message. That's the central part of it, but it's just part, right? And so in the process of disciple-making, you absolutely need to share the gospel. That needs to happen. Otherwise, what is this thing, right? I mean, the message of the cross, what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, is the, capital T-H-E, the message of Christianity. Without the cross, without the resurrection, without the forgiveness of sins, without the, the salvation, there's nothing to this. It's just a bunch of, I don't know, some kind of creed to live by, whatever. No, the gospel message is the message of Christianity. But Jesus, he spent this time on earth teaching us more than just about salvation. He taught us how to live in the here and now, how to interact with one another, how to relate with one another, how to think about God, how to serve God in tangible ways here and now. That's what Jesus taught. In fact, I've I've referenced this several times. I'm always surprised by this. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when you read Jesus' first big sermon, first big speech, he doesn't really unpack the gospel message there. Instead, he's laying the groundwork, talking about the current needs of the people, talking about how they are to think about God, how they think about one another, how they are to prioritize their lives. And so this commandment that Jesus has given us, this mission that Jesus has given us, is to go and make disciples. Evangelism needs to be a part of that. Sharing the gospel must be a part of that. But there's more to it. It's a process. It's a journey. It's ongoing, and that's why we do it. How far did I make it in that passage? A few words in? Yeah. We can stop there. That's the idea. We need to make disciples, and that's where relational evangelism comes in. All right? It's not just let me try to, you know, let me try to have a conversation with a stranger. Listen, you can do that. Let me make that clear. Some of you in this room, I'm thinking of one person in particular who I'm not going to name, are very extroverted and willing to have conversations with strangers, right? Some of you are are very good at that, right? If that's you, do it. If you're standing in line at Starbucks or Wawa, come on, let's be real. If you're standing in line at Wawa and God lays it on your heart, you got to talk to that person. You do it. And guess what? Even if you're an introvert like me and God puts that on your heart, you got to do it. Hmm. You got to do what God calls you to do and go where God calls you to go. That's just how it is. But the thing is, what we need to be more aware of is the people that we see on a regular basis, the people who make up our circle of influence. Those are the people. Those are the people that we are evangelizing to, that we are evangelizing with. I don't know, how to, I don't know the English. I don't know how to put that. But we're working with them, right? We're sharing the gospel with them, not just telling them the words, but looking for those tangible signs, tangible ways that we can show them love and support and encouragement, looking for those tangible ways that we can serve the people in our circles of influence. I read about this um, a while ago. This is going back about eight years. I read about this church um, just outside of Chicago. I guess it's a mega church. I don't know how many people go to the church, but I don't know. All these terms are made up anyway. Anyway, a church with a lot of people outside of Chicago, and they were really struggling with the issue of evangelism. 
They felt like their people weren't getting excited about sharing the gospel. Their people were afraid of this. Their people were experiencing anxiety when it came to the task of evangelism. They were experiencing guilt when it comes to evangelism. And so they did some work on coming up with a new definition for evangelism. And here's what they came up with, all right? Listen to this. Here's how they defined evangelism. Having a real conversation with someone. Having a real conversation with someone. Now, you might hear that and think, that's not evangelism. Where's the gospel? Where's Jesus in that? And if you're thinking that, you'd be right. But having a real conversation with someone, that's where all that can start. That's where all that should start. When's the last time you had a real conversation with someone? Maybe it was recently. Maybe it's been a while. I mean, we can talk about weather. (laughs) We can talk about sports. I mean, I can't, but you can if you know about sports. You can talk about March Madness, whatever that is. I still don't understand what that is. You can talk about current events, but then to have a real conversation, a heart-level conversation is different. I mean, when someone comes up to you and you say, hey, how you doing? And all you want to hear is, fine, how are you? But instead, they, they listen on you. Oh, I'm not doing so well. I just lost my job. Oof, what do you do? What do you do? when someone presents you with a real-life thing? Do you say something kind of vaguely Christian-y? Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'll be praying for you. I got to go. Or do you engage with that person? See, that's, mm, that's an opportunity. When someone is experiencing some real-life stuff, that is an opportunity to begin laying the groundwork, to begin sharing the hope of Jesus, to begin unpacking the gospel a little bit. And so here's the thing, like some of us Christians, we may be comfortable saying, oh, you're going through a rough time right now? Whatever the thing is, the person tells you they lost their job, the person tells you I just got the test results back and I'm not doing well, or my son's in trouble, my daughter's in trouble, I don't know what's going on, or this person in my life just died. Whatever it is, if someone gives you some real life stuff, what are you going to do? You can say something like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm going to pray for you, right? And maybe you're comfortable doing that, but evangelism, engaging, that's going to cause you to take a step outside of that comfort zone. And maybe instead of just saying, well, I'll pray for you, maybe you say, well, well, can I pray for you right now? And right there, in Home Depot, in Wawa, in Walmart, in Target, right there, you're going to pray for that person. You're going to ask, can I pray for you now? All right. What's the worst they could say? Uh, no. <laughs> like, all right, I'll just pray for you on my own. That's fine. But just that little extra step, I'm going to take that step beyond where I'm comfortable and say, can I pray for you now? Can I pray for you in this moment? And then you maybe take it a step further. You know, could our family, could we bring you over dinner tonight? Could we do that? What could we do? You know, engaging in a real conversation with someone. That's where evangelism can begin, right? And so that's part of it. What's going on back there? Is there a cute baby back there or something? I feel like I'm missing out on what's happening. Oh, my goodness. Hi! <laughs> I'm missing out on the action back. Oh, very precious. <laughs> Let's just look at the baby. Forget what I was saying. That's, oh, so many babies here today. I'm glad this is a place for babies. <laughs> By the way, I know this is an aside, but babies are always welcome here and always welcome to make noise and cheer us up. So let me just put that out there, okay? So back to evangelism. Anyway, it's something we should do. But to engage in these real conversations, this is part of it. Let me give you a simple little example, okay? Uh, this past spring, 
I had a phone call with a person I never met. It was somebody organizing a community event. I was trying to see how our church can get involved. You know, I was talking to a stranger on the phone, which is something that introverts are great at. Anyway, we're talking to this person on the phone, and um, she kind of stumbles on the fact that she's going through a rough time, and she had a kid that was in the hospital for several weeks, and I was like, well, listen, I don't want to get all pastory on you, but can I pray for you? You know, is that all right? She's like, Yeah. So I said a little prayer, and I said, listen, you know, we've got like a prayer request thing for our church. Could I, could I just put that out there to our church so more people are praying? She's like, yeah. All right, just took it another step. I said, well, listen, we also got this like community support team, and they do meals, and they do care packages. Would it be all right if I just sent them your way, let them know? I mean, I know we got people who would want to be able to serve. She's like, yeah. Whoa. Engaging. In real conversation, when your temptation might be, oh, back off, this is messy, this is weird, I don't know this person, this person may be an atheist, what am I getting into? Uh, instead of doing that, to press in, engaging in a real conversation. And so that's how that one church out in the Chicago area, that's how they began to define evangelism, having a real conversation with someone. Another church I learned about, church in beautiful Hawaii, right? It must be tough to be a church in Hawaii. Why did we plant a church here in Delco? We could have gone to Hawaii. Anyway, church in Hawaii, and uh, the pastor was talking about a kind of a new thing, a new way to think about evangelism. Yeah, right, new. And he was telling the story of a, a young woman in his congregation would go to this community center and like play bridge or whatnot with some older folks in the community. So it was a younger woman who had developed this friendship with an older gentleman and she said to him, oh, I'm so excited about what's going on in our church. You've got to come visit us some Sunday morning. And he said, well, actually, you know, that's my time. And Sunday mornings, I usually play golf. I've got like a thing. I do it every Sunday. She's like, oh, no, that's okay. That's fine. Don't worry about that. Just take one Sunday off from that. You've got to check this out. You've got to experience this. I'm so excited about what's going on in our church. You're going to love it when you come out. Just take the one Sunday off and come out. He's like, well, actually, it's more than that because it just so happens I'm, I'm a Buddhist. And so she's like, no, 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 that's fine. You can be a Buddhist. No problem. Just come on out anyway. Hear the music. Hear what the people have to say. Just experience this with me. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm a whole different religion. She's like, no, that's fine. You could be old. Just come out. And that was what she did. She just kept saying, no, come on down anyway. And so that church in Hawaii, they began to create this other way to think about evangelism. It's an invitation. Come and see. Come and check out. Come experience an invitation. An invitation in the broadest sense possible. An invitation to, to go somewhere, to do something that's going to help that person better understand what the gospel is all about. And maybe that's a service project, maybe that's, some, maybe that's something mundane like showing up at the Sunday morning event to invite somebody to worship with you. It can be one step in the process of evangelism. It's an invitation. And the great thing about that is when you've invited people to, to come to worship with you, you don't have to do all the work yourself, right? I mean, you make the phone call, you invite the person, maybe you pick them up, maybe you bribe them with brunch or with lunch or whatever it is, and that's, that takes some doing, I'll be honest with you, sure. But then you bring them into this setting, and they get to meet the nice people, and they get to see the smiling babies, and they get to have the refreshments, and they get to hear the band, and they get to hear the Word of God, and it's like an experience, right? And when churches are working the way that Christ designed, that's what should happen. It's like the collective, we partner with you as individuals, so that you can be working within your circle of influence and that so you can be excited to invite people into this setting and we can help you share the gospel. We can help you with this process of evangelism. So what about us at Hope Church? How do we define evangelism? Well, I tell you what, I've never been very good at creating stuff on my own, so I just like to steal things from other people. What if we thought about evangelism like this, right? Two things. 
Conversations and invitations. In fact, that's something we could probably memorize, right? What is evangelism? It's conversations and invitations. What is evangelism? Conversations and invitations. Why don't you say that with me? What is evangelism? Conversations and invitations. One more time. What is evangelism? Conversations and invitations. Sorry, I used to be a children's pastor. We would do that kind of thing. Sometimes it still comes out of me. But that's it. You've got it memorized. How do we do this thing? You don't need to get all anxious over it. You don't need to feel guilt-ridden over it. Just have some conversations. Offer some invitations. Easter's two weeks away. I was just talking with somebody last week about, you know, and I hear stories like this a lot. I've got friends who are thinking about coming. I've got coworkers that are interested and they're not quite. This is a perfect time of year to ask to put out that invitation. Say, hey, you know, Easter's coming up. Why don't I pick you up? Come on with me to this worship service. Come on with me. It's at a theater. It's not even like, listen, don't worry about it. It's not even like real church. It's just at a theater. Just come on. Whatever you got to say, make the, have that conversation, make those invitations. You got two weeks. Oh, boy, we all have this two-week period. Let's take full advantage of this time to lean in and engage and have those conversations and to offer those invitations. Let's do this thing. See, when we start thinking about evangelism like that, doesn't it feel a lot more doable? We can do that. Conversation, I can do that. An invitation, sure, I can do that. That's part of this process. That's a big part of what we've been called to do. We've been called to make disciples. We can do that with some conversations and some invitations. That's my challenge for us all for the next two weeks. Look for those opportunities to have real conversations and to make those invitations. And let's pray on that. Lord Jesus Christ, as we get closer and closer to Easter Sunday... We are reminded of your love for us, how much you have loved us and how much you have given up for us. And Lord Jesus Christ, so many of us in this room right now, in fact, most of us in this room right now, we have received something awesome from you. We have received hope. We have received healings. We have received forgiveness of sin. We have received salvation. We have received this gift that we could never deserve, that we could never earn on our own. We have received eternal life in you, Jesus. And in our hearts, we want to share that. And so, Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit who dwells within us, allow us to share the gospel in real ways. Give us the courage, give us the wisdom, give us the joy to be able to engage in real conversations and to make those invitations so that more and more people in our lives can find salvation in you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.